Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It is episode 93 of Working Class on DeerCast. Thank you for joining us here on DeerCast uh, or Spotify, wherever you listen, but go to DeerCast, listen, support us there. Um, this one is recorded fully dark web version. And that's a bummer because we really strive on recording most episodes in studio, dark yeah. web if we have to. And this is one of those weird cases where my kids were sick with some contagious stuff and we, Eric just had a baby and we didn't want all that to happen. And we're just, we're doing it. Doug's in here. What's up, Dougie? I'm sick from a concert out in the rain. Oh, did you have like a romantic time at like Limp Biscuit or something? Is that Hardy, dude? Come on. Okay. And Mr. Lee, the cult leader, her is in the house. What's up everybody. So it's already a challenge because Doug is kind of quiet and Lee's very loud, and I have one volume gain button for the rest. Actually, I'm going to double back <laughs> and record here. So, so do I got to talk louder, or is he got to talk, you know, not as loud? You need to talk a little louder, I think. But here, right. episode 93, Working Class on DeerCast. Uh, we're going into this without an idea what we're going to talk about, but there's some exciting stuff coming in as uh, what I mean hunting season is on its way very quickly um just over a month away if that doesn't build your anxiety at home or at work wherever you are while listening or watching this episode and uh here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna scale everyone's anxious level coming in as of right now to hunting season and we're gonna start with doug on a scale one to ten how anxious are you in good or bad way for hunting season because you know what i'm talking about uh, probably an eight in a bad Ooh. way. Eight in a bad way. Yep. I'm probably with you, buddy. I just don't, I don't, we've been so busy. I just don't have much ready. I should be way more prepared, but this happens every year. So we'll figure You've it out. You've been here before. You've been here yeah. before. We do, we do this every year. <laughs> I think every guy can relate to that, right? I think so. Where are you at, Lee? I'm honestly on the other end of the scale. I'm at like a three. If I wow. had to say it, because I, I don't know, man, after the season I had last year, you know, I did all that work with those letters and all that and got a couple new permission properties. Um, and I've, I've really started putting my cameras out and I've got some good deer on camera. So I'm like, I feel good coming into the season. That's probably going to burn me in the long run, but no, nah, I feel pretty good. Honestly, I've gotten all my fall food plots in. Um, I did a grain plot for the first time, like a corn grain plot for the first time this year. And that's taken off well. Um, and that was like with minimal work, honestly, just to just tilled the ground and broadcasted corn and it actually worked, which never would have expected, but no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, honestly. And that's probably going to come back and smack me, but cause I've got pretty high hopes going into the season with one specific yeah. buck, but, uh, I'm going to probably get too cocky and it's going to slam me in the dirt, but well, you know, right. I don't know. About that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty anxious. I'm, I'm at a seven or an eight, probably with Doug in a bad way, but it's, it's like one of those weird scenarios where you think the more you do hunting stuff for a job, you would think the more free time you would have, which you, you know, I do have, I can make time more than I did otherwise, but, you just caught with like get caught up in other obligations or you get caught focused on other stuff. Like as far as like land stuff, I feel pretty good. Um, my plots are in, I feel great about that. There's some stand adjustments I want to make. I'm waiting on some tree stands to get in, in the mail. Um, some <laughs> and it not to be raining. Doug, um, Lee and I went to go hang a stand and a set 
and uh, we did our annual, it's our new tradition, scrape day. Scrape uh, where we day. go hang mock scrapes with dad shoes on. I need to get a pair. But uh, it started downpouring us on the other day. So I, the stand's sitting at the base of the tree. I got to go back and hang it. I got a, a great spot in mind. Um, but, you know, I, like I got some stand changes that I want to do, some updates, um, some new ones I want to hang still. And I, I plan on getting that done the next two weeks. And then um, next thing on the list, in, the, in conjunction with that, all the way to season is shooting my bow like I'm training for a fight. Because if I had to be completely honest, I have not shot my bow like I have wanted to. Um, I did before bear season early, kill the bear, and I'm waiting for my new bow to come in, which should be like any week. Um, but I set my older bow, uh, my ritual from 2018. So um, I will be doing some shooting, um, but I'm going to start getting to the point where I always say that, like I'm shooting like I'm training for a fight. Like every day you're shooting with the mindset of, like you'd hit a heavy bag, like you're hitting somebody in the mouth. Like you're shooting shots, like you're double lung and deer. Yeah, so, absolutely. I got a question for you, Kurt. Are you at the point? I'm at the point right now where I always get before season. Are you at the point now where you're like, you find yourself daydreaming of like sitting in a tree stand? For sure. But you know where I think too, though, this year, I th- I feel like I have done that all summer. Like I, I feel like more than I ever have been. And I try not to wish the summer away because like you have to like almost enjoy the time when it's not hunting season, because we work so hard when it is hunting season that like, it's kind of nice to just enjoy your day to day without being forced to do things. Does that make sense? Not forced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. Yeah. Like when there's a cold front, you're dropping everything and you're going hunt. Like no matter what you're going, when the time is right, if it's a cooler day and it's August, yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah. Nice day to hang, just do not <laughs> hang outside, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. So I, I, I need to, I was talking to one of my, enjoy that, but good. I was talking to one of my buddies today about like, he's a big duck hunter, has really good deer ground, but doesn't, doesn't really deer hunt much and just loves to duck hunt. And we were like arguing back and forth about like, oh, duck hunting's better, deer hunting's better. And I, I was just sitting there and I was just, as I was explaining it to him, I just got those like chills. And like in my mind, I was like, oh, just sitting there with that cold October wind coming in. Oh, it just got me all sorts of amped up. I do love it. I, I mean, God, it's just so good. Like don't compare it to waterfowl hunting. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like don't have that. No, don't have that absolutely not. Yeah, no, it's, it's and it's, you can't even explain this to anybody. Oh, you can't unless you know. What were you saying, Doug? I said like those like duck hunters and deer hunters can will never find a common ground on that because <laughs> like you know we get a cold front, you know we're ready to go. I mean they're just out there to duck hunt anyways, but yeah, and I don't mean to hate on them, but deer hunting just for sure better. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> You know, I, my buddy's argument was he has ADHD too bad. <laughs> dude, you know, I get that, but, but, you know, I think there's a way to cope with, like, if you have that type of ADHD, I think you can do it with in deer hunting, but like, you just have to find your groove. You have to find your way where you're going to see the most animals, right? Like, you know, a lot of times when you're hunting like a specific deer, you sit in spots where you're not going to see a ton of animals. You're, you're going to see one deer. Not always, you know, sometimes that move makes you see a lot of deer, but, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know, whatever, but I'm not worried about the waterfowl hunter deer hunting. Like, all right, more for me, I'll go hunting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But dude, more this year than ever, have I been so amped up about deer season way prematurely? Like, and I know everyone's like, you know, the tough guy on the internet's going to comment when we cut a clip from this and go deer season never ends for me it's like all right you're so cool but it's hard to explain (laughs) because i've just been twice as amped as i normally am i'm always excited but i just like have been so white tail brained since bear season and even before that i don't know what is like i didn't know i could get more into it yeah it's almost harder when you go on trips like out of state you know, and have success and stuff. And then you come back and you're like, you're just ready to keep going, you know, like ride that yeah. high. 
but we that's gotta probably what it is. I never thought of it that way, Doug. That's not, that's probably what it is. Yeah, I mean, we go. I mean, in Wyoming, I'm seeing elk and you know moose and bear, and you come back, and now I got two months to wait before I can even hunt again. Yeah, or more. Or more, yeah. Yeah, because June, yeah. July, August, September, yeah. October, yeah, way more, you know. But it's uh, we're to the point now where like things are getting serious, you know. Like, yeah. if you're not, if you don't have your fall food plots, and you better be planning on it the next couple of weeks fast. If any stand changes need to happen before that that uh, median line in September, like you need to start getting that shit ready. Um, we need to start shooting our bows like every day we need to sling arrows any changes you're making start tweaking with them now settle on what you want to do uh start even if you're you're driving to work mentally visualize the process of shooting a deer or a doe a buck or whatever mentally visualize where you want to put the stand that you need to hang on saturday and how it's going to work and how a deer is going to use it what wind would you hunt it visualizing and like thinking about things get is it really weighs in more than i think people give it credit for like sitting there on your lunch break and staring at maps going all right if i put a stand in that tree that i know about right here what winds is that stand gonna work yeah as long as you're like doing little updates here and there in the brain you know it's like just like you said just thinking it through and what will work and what won't Updates in the brain is a very that might be a banger statement from Doug right there. Dear updates for the brain. It's just like when it pings your phone when you plug it in at night and it's like, oh, software update 16.2 or whatever. You're like, damn, I gotta update this stupid thing. And uh, you you really need to do that every season for your circumstance, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> That, that conversation right there, Kurt, just made me think of that meme where it's like the husband and wife laying in bed. <laughs> and the wife's like, I bet he's thinking about other girls and he's looking at his phone. <laughs> we can can relate. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> that is uh, very accurate, dude. I feel like my wife will catch me like glazed over. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm like, I'm dreaming with my eyes open. You know, like you're so deep and like a like a daydream thought that you're like, all right, man, that's because you have to like think about the wind, you know, like you have to like, like how it cuts through like an area. You're like, all right, if I just hug, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, maybe most people don't own, but I'm being very vague. All right, for example, <laughs> that stand that we were gonna hang and didn't get hung and left at the base of the tree because it was a a, a monsoon. Um, we yes. were talking about what winds would work for that stand and what wouldn't. And, you know, really like you and I kind of like mentally visualized to each other. Cause we're, we couldn't have been Doug. I'm telling you when it downpoured on us the other day, you have no idea. It downpoured on us. There's no, I'm like, Oh, we could still hang it. And I get to the tree. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to slip and die or get hit by lightning. It was raining like crazy um but we were talking I like, like to, i like to say something when uh me lee came over and tried giving me a scrape day and uh from the video i saw i got a half aced scrape day compared to what you got you got the full <laughs> treatment well we crowned scrape day what's that Doug? i didn't i didn't see no dad shoes I didn't. I had them on, didn't I? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I apologize. Here we are. So we were gonna hang this stand. It's in the. It's um. It's off this oxbow, and uh, we were talking about how it's gonna work, and it's gonna work for a ton of winds. Like it's gonna be great. Um. And really, we. You know when you find a tree that's got like three trunks to it. Yeah. It's we're gonna end up putting one of them. Oh, cluster, and it's going to be nice. It's not going to be like it might not be a high volume sit stand. Like I probably won't sit it twenty times. Like I'll probably sit it. It depends, really. It depends on my interactions that I have there. But I bet you I sit it less than ten times this year. But I bet you when I do sit it, it's going to be exciting. 
when you get the right wind and stuff, it's going to be money. Yeah, because it, it's good for any East variant, the way I planned it out. It's good for any East variant, almost any North variant. Could work for North Northwest. It'd work for Southeast, but, and that's, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of wins for a stand, yeah. honestly. <laughs> um, and it's in a tight spot. It's an internal fringe. Or so edge. They're gonna be riding it. Yeah, I think I think the deer movement there is going to be great. It's going to be fun. But when, like, if a deer pops out, he's going to be right there. Yeah. So, Chaboy's it's, it's one of those it's spots that you're going to be, like, you're, like, going to be on your toes. It's, like, the opposite of sitting a box blind. You know how we talk sometimes, like, you and I have talked, Kurt, how sometimes we get more lackadaisical when we're sitting in a box blind. That stand's going to be polar opposite. It's going to be like you're going to be on the edge of your seat the whole time because you're going to hear stuff. And it's literally, I mean, they're going to pop out at 25 yards. You know, you're going to, that's going to be a fun stand to sit for sure. Well, what's cool about that farm, it's so dense that, and there's so many leaves on it. And it's fun because you hear the deer well before you see them. So sitting at last year, you'd hear like that cadence, like that. Yeah, and you're like when you're hunting and that happens you're just like oh boy here we go you just never know yeah it's great and you're like looking and then you see legs then you're like oh what is it? you grab it just it makes each sit more exciting it's gonna be one of them spots so boom forky yeah 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 <laughs> why <not? laughs> yeah why look your dog went in on this podcast or what doug <laughs> you want to see it crazy joining uh, i was actually talking sense. to perry today getting ready for season uh i got that box blind and i'm gonna have to hunt some kind of wins that don't really work for a spot to kill my number one i think so i was, I was working with him talking about like scent proofing blinds even further and like oh yeah making it because you know you see them talk about where they do hunt a wrong wind every once in a while and they just literally lock themselves in the blind yeah. So I was talking to Perry yeah. today, figuring out like what they do there and, you know, how to make them even more scent proof. Cause I, I think I could get away with, you know, a Northwest wind in the spot, but it's, I mean, it's skeptical, you know, there's a chance of getting busted. So I'm going to do every precaution I can on that blind to hopefully stick that deer right at 20 yards. You know, can, can you give away any of the secrets or is it kind of like, don't like top secret info? Hey, you, you, you can call Perry. You got his number. <laughs> uh, hard tease, hard tease. Well, I'll tell you something I'm doing um, <laughs> next week. I, uh, I'm going, I have a box blind that's at 10 foot at the base and I'm lowering it. So I'm going to take it from 10 foot and I'm going to cut probably five foot off it. So I'm going to have it at five foot. Is hmm. that the move? I've been told it is. Really? My box blind sits at like right at six foot to the base. How do you like it? You feel low? Um, initially I did because I'd only ever hunted out of blinds that were like 10, 12, 13 foot, 14 foot. So initially I felt low, but the reason I have mine like, like that's because it's on a trailer. Like, you know, I can't drive it down the road being that high. Um, so I made it short for that purpose. But honestly, when I'm sitting in it, I feel more, I feel more intimate with the deer, even though I'm, you know, in a blind being closer to their level, you know, but I, I, I do like it. I think style. the deer, they don't pay attention to it to me. Really? So I feel, all right. So being high up in a blind, what I don't like about it is if they're close, you cut out a ton of shooting area, but what, what I've been told from several people um, just recently, well, one was Greg Ritz. Cause I, I do, he gave us the VIP tour of his farm, everything. And, uh, I noticed all his blinds were like four foot and I was like, yo, what gives what's going on? Like, why, why are they so short? He goes, that's a sweet spot. Like, what uh, do you mean? He goes, I've tried it all 10, nine, eight. eight. He's like every, I've tried everything. He goes, four foot's a sweet spot. He goes, they, d- <laughs> it has to be. Um, tall enough where the deer can see under it because then they're comfortable. And um, he goes, just but not too tall where it doesn't box out your shooting. And I'm like, 
ah, son of a bitch. Yeah, maybe that is right. So I'm gonna lower mine five foot. I'm gonna go five foot. I'm just gonna cut it in half. Um, but problem being, my tractor don't reach that high. So I gotta borrow a buddy's tractor to lift it up and then take a sawzall and go lop, 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 and then unscrew the supports, lower it. Hopefully it doesn't fall and shatter, and then get it down in the dirt and then lop, lop, cut and put the supports back in. And then I'll have my little five foot blind. And it'll be blended in right in my uh borderline I planted. So wish me luck, huh? We'll see what happens. Slam kill dunk, up. baby. Slam dunk. What's up, Duck? So you think you're gonna kill out of that one? Mm. I don't know. I I feel good about the plot that I have there. I feel like it will be an attractant. As of now, now a lot of things. This is this moves us on to our next conversation topic. As of now, I don't have a deer that I'm like really wanting to shoot in that spot. I have a deer that I probably would shoot, but I don't have a deer that I'm like, okay, I'm blowing off everything else for this. If that makes sense. So, yeah. but in the next month, it could change. Like, yeah. When it changed, like Mark mentioned um, on our regular WCB podcast, when the velvet comes off, the brain cells develop. There's so much changes for me on, on, all the places I hunt in the next 40 days. Yeah. That's the same for me. It's like the Intel we collect. I'm not saying it doesn't almost mean anything, but I mean, it's nice to have, but when you know, they're going to disappear, it's kind of disheartening, but also other bucks could move in. For sure. And that's what I bank on. And that's what normally happens for me. But like you guys both be, what's up? (laughs) What's that? I'm banking the other way. I'm banking the opposite way of you. I hope when he right. stays where he's where he needs to be. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like you guys both being Iowa residents, you guys are allowed to supplemental feed. Like, do you feel like supplemental feed keeps a deer in that area? Or do you think it's just the same difference? Like once they, it probably brings them there in velvet. But once their velvet's off, do you feel like they just dip no matter if the feed's there or not? <clears throat> yeah, I think like I do, I do supplemental feed just like a quick, short little bursts in the area um and like i've a couple of places i hunt um like i've got cameras that i put in a different area to catch the bucks in the summertime that i know know are going to be where i hunt in the fall just from past history of seeing bucks where they go in the in the summertime so like where i have my number one buck is not on the property that i'm planning on killing him on or going to try to kill him on you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a mile, probably a mile and a quarter to the South, you know? So like, but I know from past history with that deer, especially that he's going to transition to the farm that I'm going to be hunting him on. And like in Amana, a lot, I don't have a lot of that big summer shift. And I think that's because it's big timber. Um, I, like I don't have, my bucks don't move really. I mean, all that big timber around there. I have bucks pretty much all through the year. I mean, that traveler buck that I talked to you about, Kurt, he, he shifts, but it's within like a mile. But for the most part, the bucks that I get in the summer, I have them July, August, all the way through Jedner antlers. I just never, they, for, I don't know why, but they just never shift in that big timber for me, at least. What about you, Doug? Yeah, for me, it's a little different. Um, in the summer, you know, I'll get all the, the bucks will come through with supplemental feed and stuff. But I feel like once they lose that velvet, they'll move back to like the big timber. That's not where I'm at. So you hope they come through right time, right place. But most of the time I'd say the big ones don't stick around too much. Yeah. It's so interesting, man. Cause I wish I could supplemental feed, but it's like, does it, does that bring false hope for a lot of guys? I think it oh, does. Yeah. But I've always wondered, like, we always joked around about this, like, Iowa, Illinois. Like, I always said, it's like, well, the Illinois boys were typically the ones that kill first. It, do you think it's because, and I'm not, it could, it varies year to year, right? Like, but I wonder if there is something too, like, when we hang our trail cameras that, like, yeah, I hope you guys kill first. Like, I hope all my buddies kill 
first. I want everybody to kill early and, and be successful. But I wonder if like some of the Illinois natural movement patterns that we hang and get deer on trail camera, I wonder if that makes a difference versus like a supplemental feed pattern. Like I wonder if that like the equation adds up differently when it comes to like the shot. I, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't have it. Maybe it's luck. I don't know, but. So I, I kind of have a, a little bit of a theory on that. Um, I do think you guys, how you run cameras in the summer plays a big role into that. I do think it does, you know, cause where we're, when we, when we do put our, you know, even though I only do it for like literally like less than a week, I, I throw one fifty pound bag out in front of my camera just to see what's there. And then I pull it. Um, but I think, you know, you guys get your natural movement where I think, and Doug, you can kind of talk to me about this. Those bucks that you have shift, do they come back at the beginning, like late pre-rut, beginning of rut? Do they come back through for you? Have you noticed that in the past? Because when I do have little shifts like that, um, like in my more open country ground, I do notice that. I get one string of them coming through like early pre-rut into the, you know, right into the start of the rut into their summer area in the past. I've seen that at least. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Uh, no. Yeah, you're right. They'll come in like, like prime time scrapes, scrape season, like, you know, like uh, late October to check around. They'll check scrapes. And then um, I think pre uh, prime rut, I mean, you know, you get the right dough. Of course they'll be through, but um, I think they'd come through checking as well. But like, you know, early October, like, uh, probably late October, they don't really show up. So that's like, you know, scrape season is like one of my favorite times because that's when you really see who's sticking around or who's just coming through. Do you, how long have yeah, you guys And that's been, where I think... Go ahead, Lee. That's where I think your not using supplemental feed helps you out, Kurt. You know, because on our summer patterns, we get those deer, but then they shift. And that's why I think you guys kill earlier because I think where we have our deer on our summer patterns, typically if I'm going to kill one, it's going to be on that when they come back, if it's on where I had them in the summer, when they come back in late October or November, I don't, when they do shift, I, they, they disappear except for that week. And I think that could play into a role into the role of like why you guys kill early versus, you know, us. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and it might just be coincidence too. Like, there's a very good chance it's just a coincidence. But, but what you're saying, it does make sense. Um, I'm trying to envision, like, if I could supplemental feed, how it might change, how I like perceive who's going to be around. Um, but it's fun. It's fun conversation for sure because I don't know. I feel like the if, if Illinois was like, all right, supplemental feeding is legal. I feel like I'd go so hard in the paint the first year that it would just like completely screw me up for what I'm used to, you know? That would actually be interesting if they did, like if, you know, all the hunters start putting out stuff on the feed, if it would change like big bucks patterns throughout the whole year. Well, I honestly think in Illinois, I would say 60 to 75% of people actually do supplemental feed illegally. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that, <laughs> that holds any water at all, but there's a lot of people who don't know it's illegal. Candid. There's a lot of people who just genuinely don't know that it's not allowed. Because, and here's why. Because they sell it at every damn Walmart, Farm King, farm supply store, everywhere. And you know how many people have been doing it forever that have giant, 15 foot holes in the dirt that you could fall into from running mineral for that long. They're all over the place, all over Illinois. Do you know how many outfitter Facebook pages I could go to right now based in Illinois and get pictures of big velvet deer standing in the woods for 45 minutes, licking their lips. And you think they're just doing it for fun. (laughs) Like call them out, Kurt. It's all over the place. It is. And, And it's, I don't know. Is it wrong? Yeah. Yes, it is. It's wrong. It's illegal. But everybody's doing it. That is where they sell the stores. Ah. 
you know, I, I'm not advocating for it. I'm not like condoning it. Don't do it. But I would say 60% of years is doing it, you know, maybe more, <laughs> I, but, but maybe it's not that much, but I mean, come on. How many are a lot? Probably. Yeah, I know. Dude, I had a, oh, Lee was at my, one of my hunting spots. There was a hole in the ground that I drove my tractor into and I'm like concerned it could be a mineral, a natural mineral lick. And I showed Lee, I'm like, should I fill this in? It just like showed up and you think it was an old field tile. And like, I'm paranoid yeah. that it could be like a natural mineral lick. And it looks like, but I mean, I don't think anything, it's just a dirt hole size of five gallon bucket which if it's a natural mineral like i don't know how they could get you on that i mean if it's a naturally occurring thing you know chances i'm not taking any chances (laughs) you're doing it right kurt so i'm like i gotta go find some dirt i can scoop and dump it i'm done i didn't do this but i just like i I I played the fifth i played the fifth but i showed you this i'm like i i feel like i should fill this random hole in like when it first showed up, I'm like, where did this hole come from? Looks like a turtle been digging in it. I'm like, do, do snapping turtles dig holes? <laughs> so, but like, that's where I was at with it. I'm like, I don't know. What's a natural mineral lick look like? I've seen where like a spring comes out and it's wet and you can tell deer have been pawing in it. Like, um, you know, it, there's, there's some minerals in that. I'm sure. Can you hunt over that in Illinois? Can you hunt over that in Iowa? If you have that, is that legal? I don't know. Yeah, you, you can hunt over a natural spring. That's your spot. In Iowa, at least, I know you can. Your property? It's What's a that? damn good spot. I got a couple of them that I hunt over. What did you say, Doug? I said, you think Steve's turtle's coming back to hunt your property? <laughs> you trying to get me on some game laws? <laughs> Probably. You know, I don't know if there's any African side neck turtles swimming out in the river, but, um, yeah, it's possible. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, the supplemental feed combo to deer patterns is interesting for sure, you know. I guess if you had enough ground, you wouldn't really worry about the shift, but it's uh, it's a fun conversation. It's worth bringing up, I think. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to talk to um, a bunch of small parcel people who do, you know, in Iowa, the supplemental feed and then how successful they are, like, with those deer. Yeah. You know, on the big parcels, of course, you know, you're just doing inventory, you know, they'll be around. Right. Yeah, I, I you know, maybe Eric's a good example of that. Eric hunts a lot of small parcels, and he, he does. He's got some slammers, and then they kind of seem to do other things and maybe he catches a glimpse or two of them during season. You know, that's, he might be the shining example of that. Yeah, I think given, you know, like they always, he he'll say it. They always go to the one property, you know, I think the next property over or two properties over the big timber and then he won't see them. Yeah. I think your timber makeup or your, your ground makeup makes a big difference in that too. You know, Eric, where he, where you're talking about for the main main part there is, I assume where Nine Lives is, and I mean it's pretty big ag ground there, you know, so it's it's wide open anyway, so they're going to be moving and cruising, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Something I've like going like kind of change the subject a little bit. 
something I've been focusing more on, and we talk about this on the episode that's coming up here in a couple of weeks with Greg, um, edges in general. And, you know, I always say deer are fringe animals, and I don't know if they use the term edge. I always say, I always said fringe. But, like, anything internal fringe or internal edge, I think is like a dynamite terrain feature that I I feel like might be overlooked. Um, well, maybe I overlooked it initially. I don't know if you guys ever have, but like when you guys are going to do like a hang and hunt in a new spot, is like, are you guys looking for edges or like what's your main thing that like, gets you excited about a spot? And that, what I mean by edges would be like, um, we'll just go like an obvious example um, a chunk of timber that's got a round pocket of grass and cedars in the middle of it. I'd call that like an internal edge or an internal fringe or a field edge or a transition, um, a transition. It could be um, the, the driveway from a cornfield to a bean field that the farmer drives his combine from one field to another, like something like that. What do you got? Like what's really getting your, like what's tripping your trigger, if you will. What's scratching the itch? What's, um, I'm out of an hour. So like the first time into a, into a timber, is that what you're talking about? Anywhere. First time anywhere for a hanging hunt. Like where you're like, Ooh, this is nice. Like you're, you're feeling real thirsty about a spot. Like I gotta be there. Uh, I mean, normally like when I first step into a piece, I kind of like everybody, I hunt outside in, you know, my first sit or whatever will be more of a, less an observation sit. But if I like go in, like if I scout a piece, what, and then I'm I'm planning on hunting it later in the year, or you know if I scout it during shed season, it's November fifth, um, and I'm going stand on my back. Yep, you're making a where move. Where am I going to sit? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, what feature are you looking for? What's making What's making you salivate? Uh, Damn it, okay. Lee! Play into so... my play into my scenario here. You're like. <laughs> Put dance around it, Lee. Play the game. <laughs> Play I'm go to be too with methodical. it. Sorry. Uh, water, well, water first of all, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, Lee's like, like all. What are you for the Biden administration? I would never do that. I would never do that. If I'm, I'm done. If I'm bobbing into a place November fifth, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find water. To be honest with you. Interesting. Okay. That is interesting, actually. I would be finding from a topo map a nice ridge that would maybe go down to a creek or system or something, but I don't think I'm doing fringes. I think November 5th, I'm, you know, you might as well, you got to go all in by that point. I like them intern, like a, what a, a pinch point, obviously is the best place you could be November 5th, like with good terrain features on both sides. But dude, when you can sit somewhere and you know, deer are rutting and you got that grassy, cedary, yeah, yeah, just terrain with all that nasty shit in it, with the paths through it, and it's just looking good. That it, cedars, anything cedary and grassy, is a good feeling in November, is it not? All, all I can think about is where I killed my big eight. God, that this is so beautiful, dude. Yeah, that footage of when you pass it the first time—that is what I love. Yeah. That cedary just, it just seems like deer want to walk in circles in it. Yeah. It's when it, like, oh, they just just believe there's a hot doe in there somewhere 24-7. Yes. Cedars, grass, the smell of fall. It's It's romantic. Yeah, like cedars and grass. I don't know what. Romantic. It is. So I got a. I get hot and bothered in there. What's up? <laughs> nah, dude, I'm, I'm looking for some does. Where are they at? <laughs> I spit all the deer out. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I learned a tip because I was telling uh, our good buddy Dana Pace about that. I love that terrain. And, and that's the terrain that he likes to shed hunt in. Grass. Find the grass. He always says. And uh, my dad loves cedars. Like, I want to just plant cedars. He said something he does. He collects cedar berries and mixes them in bird seed in areas he hunts and then the off season he'll put bird feeders out up high and the birds will eat the cedar berries and 
naturally plant them throughout the terrain. Hmm. Now, I don't know how long it takes to grow a cedar tree. I know they grow pretty damn fast, but God, that's romantic, huh? That's pretty yeah. wild. <laughs> I, I say you got five years. Five years till you get something good out of a cedar, if I had to guess. Yeah, but they probably sprout pretty quick. I just love them. But yeah. I have... Well, I mean, like, five years till they're big enough to make deer cover is what I meant. Yeah, which is fast. Yeah. I think, you know, and I have a lot of cedars in a place I hunt, and they're just full of cedar bears. I'm always just, like, thinking about grabbing a bunch and just dispersing them. I know farmers hate cedars because they grow all over, but... Yeah. I got I got one for you guys. Playing them? Wink. I, the birds I got did. an ethical question. Yes. What would you do? All right, we'll go to we'll go to Doug first on this one. All right, Jesus, you're both gonna answer the same question, Kurt. I don't want you to base your answer off of any shape or form what Doug says. Should you're I mute my head through the timber? You're walking through the timber, and you come across your number one sleeping in a spot that you can sneak up on him. Are you shooting him while he's asleep, Doug? Uh, yeah. One hundred percent. Okay. Hell yeah, I'm shooting him. Hell yeah, dude. You snooze, you lose, bro. <laughs> All right, I got another. I, let me top you on one. I caught you lacking. I caught you lacking, dude. You shouldn't have been sleeping. All right, I will one up you on this ethical question. You're walking through the timber to your stand on an afternoon hunt, and your number one, your number two are locked together in a creek bottom. Oof. And you walk up, and you have two buck tags. Are you shooting them? And they're both healthy. They both just freshly locked. One's not wounded or whatever. What are you doing? Starting the chainsaw. Yeah, that's probably the right thing to do, I think. I'm, cut, I'm cutting them apart. What would you do, Doug? Yeah, you should probably do that. <laughs> no, I didn't ask what you should probably do. I said, what would you do, Doug? I, if you look like Legolas yeah. over here. <laughs> well, like, what, what, all right, so what would you do if you're on public? I don't know. I guess. Call like, you. Yeah, maybe, but dude, I, I'm used to that stuff. Like in Illinois, you couldn't get a DNR officer to show up. There isn't any that work in the damn state. Yeah. No one's coming. Um that's a good that's a good question. Like it almost lies like ethics kind of gets 180 to a point, depending on the level of like stuck. So like if you walked up on a buck and one was like gonna die and you knew it or one was dead and you couldn't get them apart, like, then I think it's, like, you you have your fair right to, like, go ahead and, and harvest the buck and do what you got to do. Um, if Absolutely. they're fresh off the rip and you know, like, they're lively and they are not getting apart, sometimes you might have to shoot one of them to get the other one free. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, you always shoot the bigger one, right? If you, I mean, if you're looking, if one's a 130 and one's a 180, you're going to shoot the 130 just because – you thought someone on the internet might judge you? You're killing one anyway. I did the right thing. Look at me. Give I'm me the medal. Here's the thing: I don't care about I'm the internet. Kurt McGirt here for you. <laughs> I love. Yeah, McGirt it up. I I think it depends on the scenario. But like, if if I was in a spot, I'm like, dude, they're not getting apart, and this is going to be a big, big problem for them, and I could do something about it now. I I think you have to do something. Yeah, if you're like, you yeah, know, for sure. You're, you're deep in the timber and you know, no one's going to ever help them out. Like it's not going to end well for them anyways. Right. I well, see. you know, like you could almost yeah. shoot one and use that deer's body weight to help you hold the yeah. other buck and then grab the boat and then grab your saw and saw one rack off that that's what it take to get it free. I mean, that's the problem about it, dude. Is like, no matter what you do, someone's going to hate you for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're gonna be Absolutely. a bad. You're a bad guy <laughs> by the time you find them. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, you're a yeah. As soon as you walk on, you might as well be. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Might as well damn. get it over with. Yeah. You know, but then you <laughs> see you those guys, guys uh, that 
Crank them that both. Mountain, that mountain would look awesome, though. Would be cool. Have be you guys cool. ever found any lockheads? I never have, actually. I've never had either. Have you? I've got one set of locked heads, yep. Big ones? Uh one they were both like one mid forties. Um the one was a three year old ten and the one was a two year old like fifteen pointer. Gotta be <sighs> a super freaking mega giant. And I walked in on like honestly it would have been such such a cool battle to watch. It was where two big flat cricks come together. And they were dead right where the cricks meet in like a big, basically a big shallow sandbar in the water. It had been such a cool battle to watch. But yeah, those were, those were two that, you know, were kind of unfortunate to find, especially the really young. I mean, his, he had pencil tines. I mean, he was going to be a, a freaking slammer, you know, but. That's a shame. Dude, I was growing up. He had a helicopter. He'd fly his helicopter in and out. You see that orb just fly up on screen? Um, he he f- was flying out and found two bucks locked together in the middle of uh, a pond, and one was like in the seventies, the other one was like in the high forties, locked together. And I uh, called DNR, got it out of the middle of the pond, mounted them, did the mount, mm-hmm. and then um, the following year was hunting in a stand. Gets uh in the morning, he's like, ah, right. he said he could smell something dead. Gets down in a ravine and like a washout, two lock bucks the following year in a washout. No way. Yeah. I don't, not as big, but still like good deer. So, uh, two years in a row, one was postseason, like during shed season, found the other one set locked in the lake, but or pond, whatever. And then the other yep. one was like November, like fresh, like the freshly rotten. Like that's crazy. Just a bummer, you know. But uh, I hope I don't ever find them locked dead, you know. Yeah. That's a terrible way to Dude, go. It's it sucks. I found one once that was he was rubbing in like a a cluster of trees and he got stuck in the tree. And uh, that one almost to me would I think would be even worse than like being locked up because you know that the coyotes just damn near ate him alive, you know. But and actually I went and I you know, I got the salvage tag for him and actually cut the tree. And like the tree is in my parents' house with the deer in it. Oh uh, no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. We went. My dad and I. You know, that day we took the deer out. You know, with the salvage tag. And then I told my dad, I'm like, I'm never gonna find something like that again. Let's go back and cut the tree and like put it on a little pedestal. And like my parents have a big opening in their house, and it's sitting right in there with the deer shoved back in it the way I found him. Oh, that's that's cool. cool. I never seen it's that. It's cool. It's like one of those things. Like wow. I really hate that somebody had to find it, but I'm glad that it was me that found it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah that deer was big, too. That deer was like 175 inches. Ugh. Nature is metal, man. Nature is metal. It is. It's it's as metal as Nickelback, and I love that I haven't mentioned one time <laughs> until right now that I have a Nickelback t-shirt on. <laughs> I just thought we were going to mention that people don't. Like, they'll have to find out for themselves. Oh, no, because then I look, I mean, hey, it had to get brought up, but are you saying you're not a fan, Kurt? Real well. I'm not saying I don't like Nickelback, and I'm not saying I do like Nickelback. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, Nickelback rocks. Dude, don't bring a tear to your eye. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, did you see that? Uh... All right, so Jordan Ginsmer from Pull Back and Let Go. We'll, we'll end on this story because I owe an apology. Five Finger Death Punch is not my favorite band, and I'm not a huge Five Finger Death Punch fan in general. I always call them butt rock or dad rock. Uh, the drummer of Five Finger Death Punch. What's his name, Doug? Charlie. So Charlie played. Oh, I don't know where he was playing, but Memphis. Where at? Memphis. Oh, okay. So he's just playing a big show down there, and he's wearing a working class bow hunter shirt. The drummer of Five Finger Death Punch, and posted on his story, and Jordan sent it to me. He's wearing like the yellow bad shirt. And I'm like, all right, I'm done talking bad about Five Finger Death Punch. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, this dude knows that I said they're butt rock and still chose to wear our shirt. Um, that's so pretty dope. I, I screenshotted it, posted on our story, and I said, I'll never say anything about Five Finger Death Punch again. I tagged him, and he's like, apology accepted, and sent me, like, the fist bump emoji. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I feel pretty bad about it now. It's pretty cool. 
What's funny is when I was hanging out with him, he never he never mentioned anything about it. Oh, he never did. It's yeah. it's kind of a kind of a funny joke. It's like an honest, like, all right, at least I was honest about it, met you in the middle. But my bad five finger death punch. We're gonna have to go to one of his shows now to apologize. I don't want to do that, but I'll it'd be cool if it were <laughs> just a public apology right here on Deercast. I apologize on Instagram too. So but it's still cool, you know. But but yeah, no boys. Cool, this is fun. Yeah, that it is cool, right? It's like they're one of the biggest rock bands. What's up? <laughs> Your dog's just like, let me in on this. <laughs> She's saying it's time for bed. Time for bed. Yeah, no, this is fun. This is a good um, get the anxiety out before hunting season. Get people excited. Some ethical questions got brought up. Good times, boys. Um, random that we're all doing this online. Um, this is how most podcasts do it. Normally, we're in studio. I don't like this. I like in studio substantially more. <laughs> it feels off. It feels off. It does feel off, but I appreciate you guys uh, doing this episode 93. I think of working class on Deercast. Um, episode 100 is creeping in. Lee is pressuring me pretty hard to do something really cool for episode 100. Well, that's what I was just gonna say, Kurt. Maybe we should uh, ask the old listeners here what uh, what we think what we think they should or what they think we should we should do for episode 100. You know, give us some ideas. So the pros and cons of episode 100 of working class on Deercast is it launches the first week of deer season here in Iowa, Illinois. So having any big guests in studio is probably not going to happen because everyone's gearing up. But I'm open for ideas. Let us know what you want us to do. Now, we do, we do have the idea for episode 600 for Working Class Bowhunter, regular WCB episodes. We have that down. I don't know if I want to give that away yet, what we're doing. No, not yet. It's going to be a lot Not of fun. Lock. Okay. Okay. We're going to have to uh, reach out to the people for some of that on episode 600. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. So that being said, thank you, Doug. Thank you, Lee, for doing working class on DeerCast. No problem. We're here for it. Thanks for us. Always good to see you guys, even if it is through the dark web. And your dog too, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys, for supporting us. Peace.